Great guys were um, connecting and praying for one another and uh, saw a lot of games being played, but there was a lot of serious stuff too, you know, like the Word of God and, okay, the games were serious too, you know, but uh, uh, really, really good time, really good time. Thanks to all the men who uh, did so much to uh, make that happen. Could you just give another round of applause for those guys who just worked so tirelessly? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I mean, I mean... You probably have no idea, unless you're in the middle of it, that uh, or the, kind of the amount of work that goes into it, it with the worship and hauling equipment up and getting it all together. They do an amazing job. And so it's very, very, very good. Very well done. Well, we just got back from, um, <clears throat> from uh, five days in Seattle at uh, the Foursquare International Connection, they call it, or convention. They have it every year in a different city. And let me tell you what, it was nice to be in 65 degree weather. Oh, man. It didn't rain the whole time we were there. We had uh, clear skies uh, three days, uh, which is a bit of a miracle, but uh, it was beautiful. We really enjoyed it, but we wanted to give you a quick recap of some of the things that we felt like God uh, spoke to us and showed us. And so, uh, Don, if you want to share a little bit um, from your heart. Yeah, I love the International Convention, especially because when we go and we gather with, there was about 4,000 um, other pastors and leaders there uh, from around the world. And uh, when we gather together, it's just such an awesome time of really confirming what God is speaking to the church. And so it's always exciting for me to know, hey, I'm not making this up in my head that <laughs> God is really speaking. And, and it's this, you know, the same spirit and the, the unity of the spirit. I love that. A few things that uh, were spoken there. Um, I think the biggest thing and the biggest theme even of the week was the harvest is ripe. Didn't we hear that? You know, two months ago, God had given me that dream that the harvest was ripe. And uh, several speakers, including Tammy Dunahoo, who's the general supervisor for Foursquare, she uh, gave a prophetic word and and in her word, she said just that, the harvest is ripe. And we need to get out in the harvest, get get out in that harvest field. And she said a few things. She said, um, new evangelism is going to be creative, that uh, there's a, that the church has been caught up in thinking that people don't want to hear the gospel, but there's a generation who hasn't heard but are waiting to hear. And she just talked about the new generation and the, the next gen. And, you know, there's a whole generation that have grown up with parents who said, I'm not going to teach them anything. I'm going to let them decide when they get older. And then the problem is they've grown up without God. So why do they need him now, right? But now there is a generation that are, haven't heard in America that haven't heard about Jesus and are really waiting to hear. They know there's a void there. God's put it in all of us, and they're waiting to hear what um, what it is that they're searching for. Um, another confirmation was Paulette had spoken, uh, God had put on Paulette's heart for the women um, the, and spoke to the women beginning of the year, her vision for the year that God had put on her heart to seek God um, as your father, to seek the father heart of God this year. And and so I've been, you know, doing that. I've been, as I read my word, I've been reading from the perspective of God, show me your father's heart as I read. And you know, when you read from a certain perspective, things jump out at you that you wouldn't normally see versus that you don't even connect to God's father heart. 
will jump out at you and go, oh, that is just such the heart of a father to say that or to do that. And, and it just jumps out at you as you read. And so I encourage you to do that this year as, as, as you're reading your word. Ask God to show you his father's heart this year because that was not only something God put on Paulette's heart, that God put on my heart, but we heard this at the convention as well. Um, God putting on the church's heart. Uh, yeah, God putting on the church's heart to seek his father's heart. And I wrote this note down. Why does God want us to know his father's heart this year? And just the revelation that that we would know the com- that you know the Father's heart is a com- the, is a compassionate heart, right? And that we would know the compassionate heart He has toward us, and then know the compassionate heart He has for those who are lost, that we might reach them for Him also. Amen. The harvest is ripe. Um, and then the last thing I just wanted to share, and there was so much, um, you know, we got to meet with the missionary that we just started supporting, and he's going to tell you a little bit more about that, and that was awesome. Um, but it was such a missions emphasis. Um, but the last thing is, on the last day, they really focused on children, the next gen, uh, ministering to kids and youth. And what they did is, we've heard that statistic of, how many people that are saved as adults, that about 80% of them, if you were to ask them, heard about Christ first when they were in Sunday school or youth camp or some church-related event from when they were a child. 80% of those that are saved heard when they were young children. So there's 80% of the, of the harvest is in the children's ministry. You want to be a part of evangelism. You want to be a part of the Great Commission that God has called us to. I want to give just a quick plug. We had the announcement of helping with VBS. Have you ever told children about Jesus and them rejected you? So if there's any fear of evangelism, like, oh, what are they going to say or how are they going to react? I've never had a child tell me they didn't want to hear about Jesus. They're so hungry to hear about Jesus, the Jesus that loves them. That if there's any fear, you know what? Start there. Even if there isn't a fear, start there. 80%. We got, they asked everybody, these are, you know, pastors and leaders worldwide. They asked everybody to stand up who had heard, um, who had gotten saved at a um, Sunday school or youth camp to stand up. And so we got to see that statistic um, live and in person. And almost everybody stood up. It, it was true to the statistic, about 80% of the people in, there were like 4,000 of them, about 80% of them stood up. I was like blown away, like I've heard the statistic, but to see it in person was amazing. And so, um, and that didn't even include me. I heard about Jesus when I was a child, but I heard from my mom, not necessarily at a Sunday school or a youth camp. So that didn't even include me, but I was a child as well. And so, um, sign up. For the children's ministry, God's called us to this great commission. That's the easiest harvest field you'll, you'll have, and it's right here in your house. So I encourage you to do that. Um, the, the, oh, that was the last thing, right. Okay, can I have one more last thing? Also, just the confirmation. I know, all right? <laughs> he gave me the mic, so. love me. No, really, just the last thing is just the confirmation I just wanted to say, too, of 
the word that God's put on his heart and this uh, new series that he's starting now, it, just the confirmation of that too is just what this whole convention was about. So just confirmation after confirmation, um, words from the Lord personally for us that were just just so uh, right on and refreshing, and that's always awesome too. So we had a great time. Thank you, church, for sending us. We love you, and uh, I'll, give, let, I'll let him talk for a few minutes now. What? Amen. That's called pastoral pastor's wife privilege. Now you mad at her. I learned a long time ago, my wife has something to say. I got something to hear. <laughs> yeah, write it down, fellas. Yeah. Um, we were able to connect with some various missionaries. You mentioned um, Kathy Grubbs, who is in Uganda, ministering to Sudanese refugees in three different camps. We have a video clip of her. We'll show you next week. Um, we connected with various people. One was a... Um, uh, the national director of Belize. And, of course, he said, come to Belize and minister. I'm like, brother, don't tempt me, all right? And Belize is in the Caribbean. We might have to send a team. I don't know. <laughs> um, we connected with a, 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 a black man from Compton who was a missionary in Nicaragua, Colombia. I keep saying Nicaragua. Every time I say it, I look at her and she corrects me. Colombia. And, I mean, it was like, and it was just a divine appointment, you know. He, he asked me if I spoke Spanish. So I told him a little bit. And then we, it, 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 it was just like, how did you? Anyway, um, sounds like God to me. And uh, uh, on the way walking to our hotel, we, we, we spoke to a, there was a couple walking next to us. And, you know, there's 4,000 people there. And, and, and many of them are from out of state. And so we start to talk to this couple and, and, and it, it turns out these people were missionaries in Germany for like 16 years. And now they're ministering in Vienna. And how many of you want to do a mission trip to Vienna, <laughs> you know? And, you know, the, the, but the thing about it is, is that, is that, you know, Europe is very postmodern. And some of the nations will even boast in their, in their belief systems, you know, and even atheism and stuff. And so... Yeah, there's a need there, and they're in Vienna, and they're just now starting their ministry there. So for me, it was just very refreshing to, uh, to meet with all of these people. There were, there were certain things that were very, very emphasized. They spoke a lot about the, uh, about the millennial generation, and I really don't like to use that term, but, but the, the, the generation behind them. And it's like when you study that millennial generation, and then you study what's called Generation Z, they're different. They're way different. And it's like, it's like, here's the reality, church. If we don't reach this Generation Z, we are in trouble. I'm going to tell it to you straight. We have got to change the way we do things. We must. Because this generation is going to be the largest people group in America at some point. And we have got to, we've got to change how we do things We've got, to, we've got to change how we spend money, what we invest in. When we talk about Vacation Bible School, it is absolutely something we want you to bring children who don't know Jesus to. Uh, as Don said, that the harvest is ripe. 80% of people who come to Christ come to Him before their 18th uh, birthday. Our, our budget needs to reflect that, don't you think? I mean, it's, it's, 
what, whew, the, the, the statistics are crazy. Oh, so, you know, we're, we're pretty fired up and, and we're excited about things. And there was an emphasis on that. There was an emphasis on missions and, and outreach. And so uh, uh, there's, there's a lot more uh, uh, in, in regards to that. And uh, let, me, let me just say one other thing is that when we, we, we were there, we went to their, uh, their, their, their Space Needle. And uh, we were going to go up it until we saw how much it was and was like, mm, you know what? We'll buy the postcard, man. I, you know, it was like, what, what does it cost to do this one, this one here? I mean, like, I haven't been up that one either. But anyway, um, uh, uh, the, um, so there was this big festival, thousands of people, music, food. And boy, we ate. We, had, we ate so good. I mean, we had all kinds of food. We, amazing and so we're walking to the, in this one area, and there was a guy there with a sign. And, and it, was a sign, it was a big sign on a stick. And the sign said that, that it, it was quoting a scripture where Jesus says that if you, if you, um, marry, if you, if you uh, divorce and marry someone else, you commit adultery, and you cause that person to commit adultery too. That was the sign. And I walked by this man, and I don't, you know, I mean, I, I looked at his sign, and I went, what? Huh? And, and then I walked by him, and I looked at him, and I just kind of kept walking. And he said something to me. I'm not even sure what he said. And I said, no, I'm, I'm good, man. I'm born again. I'm, I'm a follower. I'm a believer. I'm in. And he kept talking to me. And I just went, it was just very surreal. I, I can't explain it beyond that. I had all these mixed emotions. And then I saw this, this girl, a uh, young girl, probably in her 20s, don't know. And, you know, very, very, you know, multicolored outfit on and, you know, purple hair and, just, you know, you know, I don't know, just great cr- cr- colors, right? Not crazy colors, just all kinds of stuff. And, and I, so I looked at her, and she's, she's got her phone out, and she's taking a picture of that guy, and in front of it, she's giving him the finger. And I thought to myself, is that what you... You think of the church, and in retrospect, I would have loved to have talked to her. I just didn't think about it. I just was kind of like in this daze, you know. I still was tripping on the sign. But I would have loved to have said, hold on, hold on. Why did you do that? What, what, what does that symbolize to you? And I, you know, I was brokenhearted for both of them. And I thought, is, I wanted to ask her, is that what you and your friends think about Christianity? Better question. Is that what you and your friends think about Jesus? And is that what you think of me if I told you I was a pastor? Would you go, ugh? Don't get me wrong. We need to share the truth. But we have to share the truth in love. And I just don't know that that was. I don't know what that produces. I don't know. God can use anything. He can use anything. And there are some people that need a strong message like that, I guess. I don't know. It's not my style. So 
I want to talk to you about evangelism. And we had already planned this series before the, uh, uh, the, the, the convention. Um, and our message is entitled, Illuminate, You Can't Hide Neon. And we get that, living in this city. Probably nothing stirs more anxiety in people than the idea of having to tell other people about their faith in Jesus. And who knows, maybe those people who are not followers or who are seekers would say the same thing. Oh no, here comes the Jesus. As a neighbor once said to me, you know, we were moving out of our house and, and you know, I had talked to him numerous times about Christ and, and it was just get gotten nowhere and that was cool. And then so, we're, you know, we're like the last load and I go, okay man, look, we need to talk, all right? And he goes, uh-oh, is this the Jesus talk? I go, yes it is. And I gave him the Jesus talk and and he goes, well, I don't know. And that was kind of the end of it. If you remind me at the end, I'll tell you the end of the story. W- would you remind me? You guys are in the front row. You're the only ones in the front row. So <laughs> I just want you to know, if this were game two in Golden State, these seats would be, oh, prime. But remind me. So... um. What do we say? How do we engage people? How do you just bring up Jesus? Like, aren't there things that you're not supposed to talk about? Like religion, politics, maybe there's something else, I don't know. Money? Yeah, like, well, how much do you make? What? How dare you ask? You know, I don't know. Um, Have you ever tried to tell someone about Jesus and just share, and you shared and you walked away and you thought, oh my gosh, I'll never do that again. I can't believe I just said that. That person's never going to believe in Jesus based on what I just said. Anybody at all? Just really just blow it. Like, can I get a do-over? Take me back 10 minutes in time. No, only me. Okay. Well, I want you to know that, that you can relax. Everybody just relax because the people who who share their faith on a regular basis, even those that you might call evangelists, will tell you that they kind of get that queasy butterfly feeling in their stomachs too when they feel compelled. Only 12% of them would say that they have the gift of evangelism, and only half of them ever found out if any of the people that they shared Christ with even became followers of Jesus. However, 9 out of 10 shared that they... um, that they, they told people about Christ kind of unexpectedly in response to the normal course of conversation, not part of an evangelistic program. I want you to get that. That, that evangelism, telling other people about this amazing gift of Jesus, is not all, just something that we go and do, but it is something that we are that happens out of a natural response of life around people who are seekers and who want to know more about Jesus. It's a natural response of life, really, is what it is, and being filled with His Spirit. And so if you think that evangelism is just for those who, who you know, are you know, gregarious types and, and, and who love a party, you know, life of the party types, it's not. Because you might be thinking, you know what, I'm an introvert. The last thing I want to do is talk to anybody. But guess what? I hear you. God made you that way. And that's okay. But you don't get a pass. <laughs> because you are, God would want us to, to be active in telling other people within the confines of the unique way that He has designed us and reserves the right sometimes to stretch us in areas we are not comfortable with. How many of you ever been stretched for the Lord? Anybody at all? couple in this place. Okay. 80% of Christians... 
that attend church once a month would say that they know they have the responsibility to share their faith. And yet 61%, according to this statistic, haven't told anyone about Jesus in the last six months. I asked you that question. Don't answer. Maybe I heard about a, a mom that prayed for her son to make friends at Sunday school. And when he found out, he said, did you pray for me to make friends? And she said, yes. And he said, well, how do I do that? Well, she said, you, you, you just say hi, tell him your name, and then ask him, do you want to play with me? Or ask him, can I play with you? And the little boy responded, I don't want to do that. I want to play by myself. <laughs> and maybe when it comes to Christianity, it's like, I don't want to tell other people about Jesus. I just want to have Jesus. I don't know. Granted, there are many other reasons. But you have to admit this, no matter what, that Christianity and God's plan from the very beginning has always been worldwide. We go from Genesis chapter 11, and you remember that the Lord scattered them at the Tower of Babel because His plan for mankind was to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. One of the things that early man did was like, well, we're going to be fruitful and we're going to multiply, but we're not filling the earth. We're going to stay right here and build a tower to the heavens. And the Lord says, no, you're not. And he confuses everyone's language. And so culture was birthed and people started spreading out all over. So the great scattering. And we get to Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. And the Lord says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. By the way, were you blessed last week with uh, Kathy Wilson coming and sharing with us? You were. Good. Uh, she wrote an email to me and was so thankful for your hospitality. She was thankful for your offering and said it came at the right time. Translation, when you're a, mis a missionary and you live by faith and you get an offering that meets the need, you go, it came at the right time, right? And uh, uh, she was very thankful for being able to share her prayer requests with us through, through you, Miss Patty. And so very doubly blessed. And, you know, we're lovers of Israel. We believe that God's promise to Abraham is still in effect today, that God will bless those who bless Abraham's descendants and bless his seed, right? So then he calls Abraham to make it be a great nation. And then in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation, all tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches, were in their, in their hands. And so we see the great scattering in Genesis 11, and then we see the great bringing together in Revelation chapter 7. Now Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren, said this, there are only two things you can't do in heaven. One of them is sin, and the other is tell people who don't know it the good news about God's love. Which of those two reasons do you think we're still here for? He asked. So let me define evangelism for you. Basically, it's good news. It's to bring or to announce good news. Gos the good news is the gospel. Let me summarize the New Testament for you in three main scriptures. Okay, first of all, John chapter 3, verse 16. Everybody read it together. Go. 
before God? What did God do? Ah, He loved. Don't miss the first part. God so loved that He gave. That's why He gave. He gave because He loved. Don't, get, don't miss that. That's important. Then we have the great commandment where Jesus says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And Mark says, And all of your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. And so... Jesus summarizes all of the Old Testament and says, love God with everything and love others with everything because the first is the second is like the first. You know, a lot of people think, well, you know, I really I really love God. It's the church I can't stand. Oh, you got a theological problem there. You got an issue because you can't you the Lord comes to make us right this way with God, but also to bring us together this way as well. That's why the church should lead the way in racial reconciliation. And that was a challenge that came up at conference. Foursquare should do, needs to do more in leading the way. I feel like I need to do more in being biracial. I, t- I, I want to intend to do that. I want to prayerfully consider how to do that. Living grace, we should lead the way in that because we're called one people, one body. Many members, but one body. Okay, so that's the great commandment, loving God with everything. You have God's love. He loved so much that he gave. You have the great commandment, and then you have the great commission. Jesus said, go, and it's as you go. The emphasis is as you go, make disciples. The go is assumed. The emphasis in the structure is on making disciples. It's not go, it's go, because you're going to go anyway. As you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Those three scriptures can summarize the, the bulk of the New Testament. There are others, but those are three that are, that, are, that are pretty powerful, especially for what we're talking about. All right? And so, if you break it down to one word, it's all about love. Okay? God so loved that he gave the great commission says uh, a commandment says love god with everything and love others and as as a result of that you go because the bible has a lot to say about love and i believe there are a lot of people that don't know that i believe that girl in seattle who took that picture probably has never heard or seen a tangible expression of the love of God. And that, that transcends language, it transcends culture, it transcends whatever other barrier. You, it's an international language love is. Moses told Israel to learn the practice of loving God and sharing it with others. In Hosea, God calls the prophet Hosea to seek out a rescue and restore his adulterous wife. Jesus said that we should love our enemies. Paul taught at length about loving others, our neighbors, church members, spouses, families, other believers. John taught concerning love amongst the believers and how that love should operate in what's a pretty hostile world. 
Well, I thought you were going to talk about evangelism. We're going to get to that. But we have to lay the foundation. And the foundation is love. And in the Greek New Testament, there's four or five different words for love. For example, there's the word eros, which is physical desire. Uh, our English word erotic comes from that. It's craving. It's longing. It wasn't always in a negative context, although things got so out of control in the first century that it began to mean that. But it just means an intense craving. Stergos is affection, especially toward family members. And then there's phileos, which is care or concern, as in brotherly love. Philadelphia, that's where that word comes from. Many of you know that. And then there's agape, which is a unique, supreme love. It is God's love in action. Uh, it's, it, it involves a conscious and deliberate choice to do good on behalf of the other. That, that's that kind of love. Where I will choose to love regardless of whether you love back or regardless of what you do. It's a commitment based on the willful choice of the lover who says, I will do this, not based on who you are, but because of who I am. And so we get to the book of 1 John, and that tells us at the very nature and core of who God is, it says, God is love. God is love. And remember, God's commandments are always tied to his character. For example, we don't kill. Why? Because Jesus is life. We don't commit adultery. Why? Because our God is a covenant-keeping God. We don't lie. Why? Because Jesus is truth. See, the commands of God are always tied to who God is. It's not just that, you know, lying is bad for society. Well, we know it's not good, but it's who God is. And so because Jesus is truth, therefore we don't lie. Now, he commands us to love. Why? Because he is love. Notice that God doesn't just love. But he is love. First John says the one who does not love does not know God. Literally did not know him or did not get to know him. See, if you say you love God, but you don't love others, there's a disconnect. And John would say you don't really know God because you don't love others. In fact, you could measure where someone is walking with the Lord or by how changed their life is because we're called to be different, but we're also called to love. And am I walking in love? This kind of love that we're talking about is different than the love that I have because my love has limits. I mean, I go so far. I mean, you know, some of you may go further than others in your love, but I got limits. I, I, uh, yeah, no, uh-uh, no, no, no. That's as far as I go. But there's, this is not a love that you conjure up and that you stir up in your own heart. But it's a love that's based on God's love and His Holy Spirit living within you. So God tells us to do the impossible, but then He gives us the ability to do it through His Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, Such hope in God's promises never disappoint us because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now I'm able to love supernaturally. Now when someone does something that you look at, you think that does not make sense. 
Oh, but that person's a follower of Jesus and the love of God has been poured out in his heart through the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he's able to love beyond his own ability. Yeah? Does that make sense? Are you with me so far? I can go back over it again. No? No? Okay, you're good. All right. So, why love God? Well, there's a number of reasons. First of all, because he first loved us. He first loved us. And he loved us because he wanted to. He didn't need to. He chose to. Because it gave him great pleasure. Ephesians 1 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Because we are united with Christ, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. We love God because he first loved us, knowing that we would be who we are and do what we do and say what we say. He still chose us. Pretty cool. That means you're special. Amen. Amen. It's exciting, isn't it? We love God for His glory and for His fame. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to Him be glory in the church, that's us, and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever and what's it say? Amen. Sometimes, you know, Paul's a pretty good preacher. Every once in a while, he, he, he got a good amen in there. All right. So the Great Commission, Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Here's the thing about evangelism. We have all been commissioned, all of us. I mean, could you imagine signing up for the military and getting commissioned to, I don't know, Iraq? Afghanistan, and going and saying, yes, you could imagine that. Some of you lived it out. Let me put it to you this way. Could you imagine someone who signs up, goes through boot camps, gets trained up, and they say, you're going to Afghanistan. You go, oh, wait a minute, man. I didn't sign up for that. No, no, no. I was told Fort Bragg. Who told you that? No, man, you're gone. What? No, sir, I quit. What? You know, no, no, sir, young man, you signed up for this. Let me just tell you, in case you didn't know, that when you became a Christian and you gave your life to Jesus, you signed up for this. This is a part of what we do. We tell other people. We live out loud, as the old song used to say. We've all been commissioned. Now, God qualifies those whom he calls. But he doesn't call the qualified but he qualifies the called. Does that make sense? He's not looking for your ability because we tend to think that people with the ability, they're really good at that. But it turns out that's not what he needs. He needs our availability, which is different because he's the one who makes us able. He's the one who calls us and he's the one who equips us. And so it's really all on him. We just basically have to show up and say, Yes. 
Let's talk about salt and light. Matthew 5, 13. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You, church, are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand. Or if it's tall enough, it doesn't even need a stand. Right? Where it gives light to everyone in the house. Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so salt, Jesus says, you're salty. What does salt do? What does it do? Flavor. What else? It preserves. What else? What? It heals. Salt also clogs your arteries, I was told. <laughs> By the way, let me just say, on a little quick health note, I've had some of you at lunch, and I've seen some of you grab the salt and salt your food before you even tasted it. And I'm like, how do you even know? It's like, yeah, I'm going to love this. Wah, 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 wah. I'm like, how did you? I'm just saying, some of y'all need to love. <laughs> Don't look at nobody, just look straight at me. Some of you is already like... Man, flavor, what else? Yeah, all those things. It gives flavor, it preserves, it creates thirst. Notice that he didn't say, go make yourself salty. But he says, you are the salt of the world. Okay? Jesus speaks of light, and he says that he is the light of the world. Interesting. John chapter 8, verse 11, the context is there's a woman who's caught in adultery. It's a setup, I think, because where's the man? As far as I know, if you're going to be in an adulterous relationship, I think that takes two. So they bring this woman, caught in the act, so supposedly, throw her at Jesus' feet because they want him to stone her to death because the law says she should die. And if you know the story, you know that Jesus is writing something in the sand. We don't know what he wrote. He's writing something. And he says... Okay, so you who are without sin, you throw the first stone. He's authorizing them to kill this woman based on, supposedly, the adulterous relationship and his authority as a rabbi and the fact that she's supposed to be guilty, but he knows what's going on. And he says, if you don't have sin in your life, throw the first stone. And they start dropping their stones and they all leave. And then Jesus says, woman, where are your accusers? Because it's only him and her now. They're all gone. He says, where are your accusers? And she's like, I don't have any. And he says, neither do I accuse you. And I believe that woman walked away free from shame, guilt, her past. But then he didn't leave it there. He says, now, go and sin no more. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't go back to that. That's not going to fill you. That's not going to heal you. Don't, don't. And I believe that she may have been transformed in that meeting. We don't know anything else about her. We'll find out when we get to heaven. Here is the point. After that conversation, 
It says in verse 12, Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So as Jesus is the light of the world, he commissions his church to go and reflect his light because he says that you are the light of the world. You are. We don't make ourselves light. We don't illuminate ourselves. We reflect the light that is within us. His light. Spurgeon put it this way, poor world, poor world, it is dark and gropes in midnight and it cannot get light except it receives it through us. To be the light of the world surrounds life with the most stupendous responsibilities and so invests it with the most solemn dignity. Hear this, ye, ye humble men and women, ye who have made no figure in society. You are the light of the world. If you burn dimly, dim is the light's world and dense its darkness. It's true. It's true. Let me ask this question as we sort of wrap up today because we're just laying a foundation for day. Church, have we become unsalted? As followers of Jesus, who are, who are deemed salty by him, have we lost our flavor? Is there no place, is there no, do we not have a voice any longer in the marketplace, in the school system, in the political world? Do we not have a, have we, are, are we irrelevant? Is the church of Jesus Christ irrelevant? May I remind you that when that happens in a society, I'm not saying that Jesus came to establish a Christian state. He never did. But I'm saying that when the church is no longer relevant in society, nothing but bad things happen. Because we're salt and we're light. Have we hidden our lights under the bed? What good is this? Beautiful lamp if it's behind stage. You guys got this amazing lamp. It lights up the whole room. Where is it? Oh, it's behind the curtain. Why is it back there? It's not fulfilling its purpose and its design. If that is the case, may I suggest to you this. There's a reason we talked about love first. Is it possible that our love has grown cold? That we're so busy and wrapped up with life that we've forgotten about others who don't know Jesus? That person that maybe we talk to on a regular basis that we know needs to hear the good news, but we haven't even thought about telling them? We just, I, don't even, I, well, I haven't even thought about it. Maybe what we do have is not an evangelism problem. Maybe it's a love problem or a love issue. Love for Him First. Love for him first. I have an assignment for you this week should you choose to accept it. How many say yes to the assignment? Raise your hand. How many of you feel guilty because your hand's not up right now? <laughs> How many are going to wait to hear? I get it. It would be shocking if everyone raised their hand. Matthew 9.35, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. 
When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Here's your assignment this week, church. Are you ready for it? Write it down. Pray. Pray. Let me give you just two things I suggest you pray. Number one, pray that God changes our hearts. so that we'll be compelled to say something or do something. Pray that your heart would break for the person who might be serving you lunch this afternoon. Pray that your heart would be broken for that worker at the Starbucks counter that you go to every other day. and You know their name and you talk about life, but you've never told them the good news. You've never prayed about even sharing. Pray for our hearts. Pray for my heart. That I would be so broken for lost people that I would take the time to talk to a girl in Seattle who's given the bird to a scripture verse and a guy who thinks he's telling people about the love of Christ and he's not. Pray for God to change our hearts. And then pray for opportunities. That's what Jesus said. Jesus didn't say memorize scripture verse. That's good. Jesus didn't say study the Bible, be an apologist. We need them. Jesus said the labors are few. Therefore, pray. May I suggest you draw a circle around your feet and start with the person inside the circle. And if we pray for opportunity, I believe God will bring them. I just believe that. I believe that's how that works. Write this down. Courses, C-O-U-R-S-E-S. Courses, like school course, courses courses.harvest.org. Courses.harvest.org. Click on that link, go to tell someone. It's a free five-week evangelism training course taught by Greg Laurie, who is an evangelist supreme. He needs to come to Las Vegas. His his next evangelism crusade is at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium. There will be 85,000 people there. That's jolly good stuff. Commit to doing a five-week study on how we can be more evangelistic. I leave you with this. Atheist by the name of Matthew Paris wrote a powerful article in 2008 in an Indian newspaper, an Indian English newspaper. This is what he said. 
Before I returned to Malawi, the country of my birth after 45 years, it was a country I knew as a boy. As a boy, it, it was called Naziland. Today, it is Malawi and the Times here in London included a, British, a, a small British charity working there. Pump Aid helps rural communities to install a single pump, letting people keep their village wells sealed and clean. I decided to go and see this work. It inspired me, renewed my flagging faith in development charities. But while traveling in Malawi, it refreshed another belief too. One I've been trying to banish all my life. It blatantly confounds my ideological beliefs and stubbornly refuses to fit my worldview and has embarrassed my growing belief that there is no God. Now, as a confirmed atheist, I've become convinced of the enormous contribution Christian evangelism makes in Africa. Sharply distinct from the secular NGOs, education and training alone there will not do. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. There's a long been a fashion among our Western academic sociologists for placing tribal value systems within a ring-fenced, beyond critics, founded in our own culture. Theirs, therefore, best for them. Authentically and intrinsically worthy as ours. I simply don't follow this anymore. I observe that the tribal belief system is no more peaceable than ours, and it suppresses individuality. People think collectively this feeds into the big man and gangster politics of the African city today. The exaggerated respect for the swaggering leader and the literal ability to understand the whole idea of a local opposition. Anxiety, fear of evil spirits, of ancestors, of nature, and the wild strikes deep into the whole structure of rural African thought. A weight grinds down their spirit. But Christianity, with its teaching of a direct personal two-way link between the individual and God, unmediated by the collective and unsubordinated to any other human being, smashes straight through the philosophical spiritual framework I've just described. Those who want Africa to walk tall amid 21st century global competition must not kid themselves that providing the material means or even the know-how that occupies, that accompanies what we call development will end up making the change. No, a whole belief system must first be supplanted, and I'm afraid uh, it has to be supplanted by another. He ends by saying, removing Christian evangelism from the African equation may leave the continent at the mercy of a malign fusion of Nike, the witch doctor, the mobile phone, and the machete. Powerful words from an atheist. Folks, the church is the hope of the world. Get started. Where is God asking you to shine your light? How? We're all different. 
People come to Christ in different ways. Sometimes it's a testimony of someone else. Sometimes it's signs, miracles, and wonders. Sometimes it's a dream. Sometimes it's, there's a multitude of ways. So in the same way, people need to hear the gospel in different ways too. One strategy of telling people Jesus isn't going to reach everyone. Where has God called you to be a light? Now let me suggest to you, if you're not, then... If you have evangelistic fervor, it doesn't say that you led someone to Christ on your way to church <laughs> this morning, but it says you're passionate about it and you feel like that's something God has given you. You like to tell people or engage people or serve others with the, with the idea of telling them the good news somehow. Your heart breaks for lost people. If, if, that's, if that's something that you have, I'm going to ask you in a minute to come forward and stand here uh, down beneath. And, and what I want you to do is pray for other people. Because if you have lost that fervor and that passion that maybe you once had, maybe you used to carry around gospel tracts all, all the time because you felt like that was a way that God would, but you, you don't even have any now. Or maybe you would, you would strategically go to the cleaners or to a restaurant or to a Starbucks and, and try to develop relationships for the purpose of maybe, hey, are you doing okay? I'll pray for you today. Are you all, I mean, who knows? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's serving down the street and you're hoping that as you serve, they'll say, why are you doing this? And, and you know, thank you so much. Well, you know, I'm a Christian and it's just what we do. And, but you're looking for those, if you've lost that fervor, I'm going to ask these who stand up here to pray over you, okay? And, and, and lay hands on you and, and just whatever God puts on their heart. So can we do that? Uh, are we in a rush to get some? I know we've gone late. I'm sorry about that, but I'm really not apologizing because this is important. Because there are other people whose eternity hangs in the balance. Thirdly, if, if, you, if you maybe are religious, but you know you don't know the Lord. And, you're, and you, in your heart, you are saying, you know what, I need Jesus. I, I just know I do. I want you to come forward and have folks pray for you as well. Okay? Take a step to say, I mean, I'm committing my life to the Lord, and I, and I want to be able to receive prayer. So if we could do that, those of you who have that gifting, calling, passion, desire, would you come forward so that those who just want a fresh anointing, a fresh endowment of power who would say god just 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 can, can lay hands on you and pray does that make sense all right so let's do that now we don't have any special we'll just put some music on you're for the most part dismissed we wouldn't have some time of prayer uh I, I want you to make your way up here if that's something you feel like god would have you pray for others or you would um receive prayer let's do that right now god bless you guys